Do you want to advertise on this podcast? Go to podbean.com now for only $1. You can get a thousand listens. You can also predefine geographic locations and categories for where your advertisement will run. Start using the most cost-effective advertising campaign now. Go to podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. See, everyone remembers Star Wars and Star Trek. But see, there's other sci-fi voices of shows and people that we might forget. So if you haven't thought of Dollhouse, Classic Battlestar, or Babylon 5 in a while, you, you gotta listen in. It's a sci-fi diner classic, voices from a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It's a sci-fi diner classic, bringing you voices from the past. No, we ain't here on things. It's a sci-fi diner classic, don't give me no news, just give me interviews and nothing else. No, nothing else. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Classic, the place where we go back and we revisit interviews and we just strip the news right out of them and you just get the interviews, the interviews and nothing else. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. You know, Miles, I always feel, did you ever watch the old Dragnet shows? I'm familiar with it, but I've never yeah, watched it. Yeah, the line is like, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. I feel like, the, you know, just the, just the interview, ma'am, just mm-hmm. the interview type thing going on here. But mm-hmm. um, And I, I haven't watched a lot of Dragnet, but I, I, I think I heard some audio dramas. Actually, what I think I heard was Isaac Air Freight. That dates me. <laughs> now, I did see the um, the Dragnet movie with Tom Hanks and um, Bill Ackenroyd. And was it good? I, I remember that it was good. Oh, so you enjoyed it. Very mm-hmm. good, very good. Right. Well, tonight on the Sci-Fi Diner Classic, we have a pretty awesome interview. Absolutely. This is one of our earlier interviews, but um, uh, we, got to, we, we got to talk with uh, Richard Hatch uh, from uh, Classic BSG and um, the, the new, new Battlestar Galactica. Right. This, this is Apollo and Tom Zarek we're talking about. Yes. And, you know, talk about a man that is a fan of the show that he's in. Right. I, I think that's what... And, and so... We we had a we had not a short conversation. This was a good forty five minutes, if not if I'm not you're correct. Mistaken, or an mm-hmm. hour, close to an hour. He gave us a lot of time. Uh, yeah. A lot of time where we just talked to him. Mm-hmm. All I remember is when we tried calling this guy because we got the phone number. We ended up calling some business, and they said, "Oh, we'll get you his other number." It was it was they they, they routed us to a couple. Yeah, not not to him, for, and I think it was just just concern for his privacy. Or, I think so too. And so just because and make sure we weren't a couple of kooks, you know. Yeah, but what a great time just chatting with him. So if you are a fan of Battlestar Galactica, this is this is one that I think is worth 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 checking out. Yeah, Richard Hatch. I mean, uh, he's been around a while, but uh, he's still you know uh, he's probably in his early sixties now. But he you know he has the vigor of a teenager. I mean, uh, as far <laughs> as what he what what uh, how he approaches life. And, and so. you will hear how busy he is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he's very opinionated. He, he is, and uh, which is good. Um, but yeah, he, he gave us not only a, a quantity interview, but he gave us a quality interview. Absolutely. Uh, it was a great conversation we had with him. Um, I mean, uh, this is just, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, so here is our interview with Richard Hatch. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll have to have him on again sometime if we can. 
Yeah, and if you're at a sci-fi convention where he is a guest, uh, make it a point to stop by, say hi to him, go to one of his his panels. Uh, he, he is a great guest at a sci-fi convention. Absolutely. I haven't seen him. You saw him? I, I've seen him twice at, sci- at different sci-fi conventions. Very yeah. good. Well, maybe, maybe we'll make that appearance again. I hope he comes back to the East Coast again soon. All right. So here's our interview with Richard Hatch. Me, uh, Tom Derrick, is that okay? Yep, I can do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mr. No, no. Mr. Vice President, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah just, just, just Richard, fine. <laughs> okay. All right, well, then I guess we'll, we'll get started here. Um, sci-fi fans, we are talking with Richard Hatch, well-known for his work on uh, Battlestar Galactica in the role of Tom Zarek, and classic Battlestar Galactica in the role of Captain Apollo, which he was nominated for a, a Golden Globe Award. Uh, Richard, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner. Well, thank you very much. What's what's cooking? What's, well, what's yeah. up? Right. Do you have a menu? Can yeah. I uh, can I order a, a cappuccino or a chai latte? Uh, you could. You could. Uh, what would you order in Battlestar? It's a bigger question. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you know something? They never really explored that other than mushies. They never got into the food, did they? No, no. Um, a, lot, a lot of drinking, though. A lot of drinking. Yeah, a lot of drinking. Well, what are you going to do when you're in space and there's not enough women? You know? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You know, and and your, your dying society, I mean, what else do you have to live for? Or pass well, the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, there's nothing like sharing a good ale or two with your buds. And, uh, you know, that's what Battlestar was all about. It was all about family, all about camaraderie, all about, you know, pulling together to survive. So I think... That's kind of what people really loved about the show, and I'll tell you, I love shows where it's about, you know, whether it's a group of people or a couple of people bonding together, man, to get through, you know, trials and tribulations. There's something about that uh, process that really uh, ignites my imagination. So Battlestar really captured that a lot in different ways with the original show and then the new show as well, but uh, obviously in a different way. What I want to ask you uh, now that now that Battlestar Galactica is no longer being filmed, which I'm sad to say because my wife and I were huge fans of the show. Uh, your schedule doesn't seem to have slowed down much. Uh, tell us some of the things you've been doing this year. Um, well, I uh, put all my stuff in storage, sold half of everything I have, took off for about four or five months, and basically just traveled all over the world. I mean, I just basically. Went to, you know, Belgium, Germany, France. Um, I was in New Jersey, New York. Um, I filmed a movie in Ohio and uh, did a project in Arizona uh, a, for a good friend of mine called The Undertakers, which is a really cool, cool movie that he's putting together. And, and then I just kind of came back. I went to Hawaii as well, and then I headed back to uh, L.A. around January and kind of bounced around uh, staying with various friends because I just really wasn't sure where I wanted to be yet. But I, because I do so much internet stuff and all my business partners, the people I work on projects with, I can do it anywhere I am. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on uh, several projects, one to direct um, a movie called Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying, which I'm writing right now. 
And then uh, we're putting together a reality show called Who the Frack, um, <laughs> oh. we'll, which we'll deal with. You can go over to whothefrack.com and you can see a little bit of uh, what that's all about, although it's going to be, uh, we're, we're putting together a much more, I would say, uh, intensive and detailed trailer um, over the next uh, three or four weeks about that show. But we're doing, and then I'm, you know, I'm, there's a lot of other things I'm doing. I'm, I'm working on a sci-fi network online sci-fi network i work with soul geek which is a geek dating site for uh finding the love of your life oh. and uh, with my good friend dino so you can go to soulgeek.com they have gatherings the second weekend of every month and i uh i basically go join them and uh, help mc and help uh, orchestrate the evening and uh we there's lots of stuff i'm doing i'm writing my great war magellan novel um, and uh, I'm preparing a bunch of other stuff as well. I mean, it's it's a very busy period for me. What can I say? Yeah, well, it sort of sounds like you haven't been slowing down since Battlestar, that's for sure. Well, I, you know, I never slowed down before Battlestar. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a productive person. Listen, you know, you live your life um, doing what you love doing. I mean, at least that's the goal. And uh, I'm an artist. I'm a, you know, I'm an athlete. I'm an artist. I'm a teacher. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. Uh, when I'm not uh, putting projects together or acting in something, I'm teaching and speaking at colleges and universities and business organizations. I do a lot of uh, a lot of teaching. So I'm going to go to Utah in a couple weeks to teach another acting symposium for a two day two day workshop there. And just did one last month. Going to do some up in Denver. And uh, like I said, I I do lots of different kinds of things. I even do relationship workshops. With my good friend uh, JP up in uh, Denver as well. She uh, she's a psychologist and PhD, and we co-teach a number of uh, workshops together. And, and you make appearances at the, at, at the sci-fi and comic book conventions. About about how many of those do you do a year? Oh boy! Well, the last number of years I've probably done a lot. I mean, I because I'm first of all at conventions. I'm a sci-fi fan to begin with, so I like hanging out with other sci-fi fans, because I'm a big fan as well. Number two, I'm a, a teacher and speaker, so I do workshops at these conventions, usually an acting workshop or a film-making workshop or even a role-playing game workshop, improv, all kinds of things like that. And then I, uh, you know, I have theatrical trailers that I film, directed, put together, and I bring them and play them. So I do a number of things, plus I uh, get to meet up with all my, my buddies all over the world, and we have the best time imaginable. I mean, anything and everything that we can do to have fun is what we do. Now, what was the, you mentioned that you, you're a sci-fi fan. What is it that drew you into sci-fi, either as a child, a kid growing up, or, or then as an adult? Well, I think you know, look at the world, and um, if you look long enough, you begin to realize that uh, there's a lot more to life than what we see in front of our face. And uh, when you look up in the sky, you can't help but wonder and imagine what's out there. And then you, you kind of get carried away on, on that road, and you begin to ask deeper questions about life, like, uh, who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Uh, are we the only people in the universe? I mean, I, I'm into quantum physics. I'm into the space program. Um, you know, I'm political. I'm involved in a number of different things because... I am curious. I am, I am engaged in what's going on in the world, and I'm always thinking outside the box, looking for more powerful, innovative ways to do anything. 
Um, I've always been an idea person. So, you know, whether it's writing a story, uh, working with somebody on a new technology, you know, uh, creating projects that I think will not only entertain but illuminate and stretch people's imaginations and make people think and help them step outside the box and realize what's possible. I've always been involved in all those kinds of things. And because my imagination is so active, I mean, sci-fi fantasy takes you into some very powerful um, thematic areas, uh, dramatic areas where you can explore archetypal story structures that uh, I think touch everybody on a very deep and profound level. These are, these are the archetypal type of story structures and, and, and basically personality traits, character traits that unite all of us. I mean, we have so much more in common than we don't. Trouble is we usually concentrate on, on what separates us as opposed to what brings us together. So I always love movies that, you know, find ways to challenge those walls and blocks that keep people separate and isolated and find ways to bring them together. And usually some form of tragedy or dramatic something, Holocaust or, you know, cataclysmic event, usually forces people out of their boxes and forces them to reach out and, and you know, meet their neighbors. So, I, again, sci-fi always deals with very powerful story structures and asks very deep, profound questions, and also it unleashes the imagination to, uh, to go in, you know, unlimited areas. Uh, it, you can just do anything and everything in sci-fi fantasy. And, again, the greatest stories are written by some of the most intelligent, visionary people on the planet. People that, in, in a sense, you could almost say are prophetic in their ability to look into the future and see where we may be going. So, uh, you know, those are the, kind of the kinds of things that I love, and intelligent, visionary sci-fi is my favorite. I mean, uh, I, I love all kinds of movies. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that loves Braveheart as much as I like a romantic comedy with Renee Zelliger or something, you know. I uh, I love musicals. I did musicals on Broadway, uh, off-Broadway. Um, I write songs. I, I played for many, many years, you know. So I even studied ballet for three years. Uh, I wanted to be Baryshnikov, you know. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, to or, or Nureyev. I wanted to do, you know, I just, I, I, I wanted to go to the Olympics. I was a pole vaulter and a high jumper. I flew on the trapeze, walked high wire. Uh, worked in circus type stuff. So, you know, and I'm a very competitive person, but I would have to say that uh, of all these things, the number one probably greatest ability I have is that I am the world's number one greatest thumb wrestler of all time. <laughs> oh, there, there you go. <laughs> and nobody has ever beaten me. <laughs> Sounds like we have a challenge. And I lay a challenge. I lay a challenge to anyone, anywhere. Of course, every time I go places, I say, who wants to challenge me? And uh, I did that in Germany. You know, I've done that everywhere. I had a guy that was six foot six. I thought he was going to kick my ass. <laughs> was the one time I was a little scared, his thumb was twice as big as mine. His thumbnail was as big as my thumb. And I beat him in 16 seconds, but he, man, he lacerated my thumb with that nail. Oh, gosh. I had did. blood squirting out everywhere, you know. My, my friend Michael couldn't believe it. It was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, anyway, uh, so that, that's, that's the, uh, the name of that tune. <laughs> okay. So I guess we could ask you, uh, what haven't you tried not to do? I mean, to try to do it. So, I mean, you've, 
you know, you sound like, what's left. What's 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 I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot lot that's left, but I mean, um, well, I, I really am into I want to make movies. And uh, I mean, first of all, I probably above all of it, I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. I love igniting people. Uh, opening their eyes to their their possibilities. I, I do boot camps to unlock people's potential, to help them realize what what they're capable of doing, to help leverage their abilities in the marketplace in a more powerful way. I, I am a teacher first and foremost, but I I do it not only through lecturing and speaking and workshops. I do it through movies, through the roles I play, through the things I books I write. You know, everything has got to be entertaining and has got to stimulate the imagination but you know good good movies good stories are about something they they have uh, you know insight uh, into the human condition and uh, so i i love a great movie that shakes me up makes me laugh makes me cry but leaves me with hope at the end of the at the end of the day so i'm uh, i want to direct and develop more projects that uh, for me are those kinds of movies uh, unfortunately we don't have enough of them yeah, Most a lot of movies leave you like wanting to cut your throat at the end of the movie. You know, <laughs> it, it, you feel like life is hopeless. You just right. the human condition. Sometimes we get so buried in in you know the uh, the the um, the trauma uh, and the difficulties and challenges of life that we don't show any light at the end of the tunnel. And I just think we need a lot more hope today. But not I'm not talking about goody two shoes movies. You know, I'm talking about really, really good movies about real people, and that's that's basically what my Who the Frack is all about. It's about it's a it's a darker, edgier, more provocative uh, look at the entertainment industry. It's a it's a more I think deeper, richer um, entourage because it's about me and my buddies uh, really surviving and 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 succeeding in this business and uh, dealing with the underbelly of Hollywood, the Hollywood most people have never seen. Uh, what it takes to make it and, and uh, succeed, and also uh, one of the biggest challenges of our time is relationships, finding a relationship, which it seems to be a challenge for me and my buddies, including my son who's in the show. Hmm. We all seem to uh, very articulate guys, you know, very, you know, very really fun guys, and, and uh, no trouble finding women, but actually creating a successful relationship has been a major challenge. Hmm. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot of guys kind of sharing their story about all that, which is something you don't normally see on TV. You see women talking about things like that, but you never see men really talking about what's going on in their life and what's what's challenging them and the problem with relationships and the challenges with women these days. I mean, most of the women I date are European because it's hard to find a girl that isn't doesn't have um, either is competitive with men or is, you know, bashing men or, or has unreal expectations, you know, uh, of men. And, and it seems to be a strange time in, in America right now. Uh, finding, uh, finding that girl next door, finding a, a woman that you can really build a relationship with has not been the easiest journey. So, anyway, it's going to go into all those areas. Good, look forward to it. Uh, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but maybe maybe there, you can expand on it more. Um, why do you think, after all these years, classic Battlestar Galactica still resonates with people? Well, because, very very much because of the archetypal story structure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the family of man surviving against the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we always see you know movies cataclys- movies dealing with cataclysmic events. You know, 
whether it's Armageddon or any one of those kinds of movies, you know, the, the day after, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Independence Day. Uh, th- these movies resonate because, in a way, they challenge all of us to deal with our, our, our imperfections, our, f- our frailties, our flaws, but to find the, the true uh, hero within, that, that person who rises to the occasion and does the extraordinary it's it's ordinary so-called ordinary people doing extraordinary things and that's what happens when you have those kinds of events and i think also it kind of also touched upon the question of is there life out there and having a show that actually talks about the fact that maybe there's family of man somewhere out there surviving you know uh... that we're related to and that kind of titillate titillates i think everybody's imagination because no matter no matter who you are you can't help but think, is there, is there humanity? Is there somebody human-looking out there in the universe beyond me? Mm-hmm. That's a question that we all entertain, and Battlestar kind of explored that on a hypothetical level. And then, of course, you know, we put it into a catastrophic event of uh, civilization coming crashing down because of the Cylons and then having to survive against all of that. Well, we've, we've all been thinking, I mean, since the beginning of time, the prophecies in the Bible, uh, the Mayan calendar, God, how many things have you read about the earth ending, you know, civilization coming to an end, Um, you know, we're all kind of um, a little bit tapped into that, there's always the fear of, you know, how much longer are we going to go on, are we going to survive, is humanity going to make it, and uh, Battlestar dealt with all of that, it dealt with that those kinds of scenarios, so it combined the the humanity being somewhere else, you know, being connected to us, and it combined that with dealing with a catastrophic event and finding a way to survive that and rebuild a new homeland. So it kind of connected on many, many different uh, uh, points, I think, with, with many, many people. Battlestar was not just attractive to sci-fi people, it was attractive to people of all ages, all demographics, all backgrounds all cultures, uh, just like Star Wars, people who never liked sci-fi before found themselves loving Battlestar, and that went for both the new show as well as the old show. So, again, it's archetypal story structures, story structures that deal with um, areas in our psyche that we all can relate to. Well, and that's one of the things that um, that I liked uh, about Battlestar is that they, they brought in these issues, and I think especially in the in the newest incarnation of the Rondi Moore incarnation of Battlestar, they brought up these issues, they made you think about them, but they didn't always give you the answer for them. And I thought that was good. Well, great writing is never, great teachers never give you the answers. They challenge you to think and come up with your own answers. Uh, great writing never gives you all the answers either. They give you insights, epiphanies, but they challenge you to to really come up with your own conclusions, and I think that's that's probably the most exciting way to to write and to perform. Um, you know, it's the once you have the answer, then you stop you stop exploring, you stop stretching your mind, your imagination, and I think that uh, the whole uh, thrust of sci-fi, especially fantasy, is to stretch your imagination and to make you wonder about. You know, and come up with even deeper and more provocative questions. You know, you want to you want to open people's minds so they walk around for three hours after the movie, and they're sitting there just really dancing with their with their mind and trying to to really come to terms with all the stimulation that has opened up a lot of uh, doors and 
and viewing points into what's possible. Sci-fi stretches your imagination, opens your mind, opens your heart, opens you on multiple levels, and uh, that's what we love about it. So, uh, you know, you come to too many conclusions and and uh, endings and, and answers, and you kind of lock up the box. Mm. Uh, the other direction is to open the box and make you go even further than the movie took you. You want to open that door so that you just go out there and begin to ask and explore and to go on the adventure, the adventure of life. Uh, I think sci-fi fantasy, it's unfortunate that so many people really have no clue what sci-fi fantasy is. They just they either can't relate or they're terrified of even delving into it because they they live in a very protective kind of uh, uh, way. They, they, they're afraid to look beyond their 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 hand because they don't want to ask too many questions. They don't want to know what's out there. They just want to deal with here and now, and that's all, that's fine too, you know. But uh, we are evolving as a humanity. We're going through a quantum shift, economically, business-wise, emotionally, psychologically, philosophically, on multiple levels. This is a time of extreme change, and so uh, I love. Uh, either reading, watching, you know, or writing and performing in projects that basically are helping people to uh, to make this transition through this uh, this doorway I, I feel that humanity is going through. Hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful time that we live in right now. Hmm. Um, on the original Battlestar Galactica, what did you like uh, most about playing Captain Apollo? Well, for me, again, I think one of the components of Battlestar, both old and new, is the family, the sense of camaraderie. You know, we bond under fire. Mm -hmm. And when you're in battle, you bond. You bond in a way that nobody can understand unless you've been through that experience. And because of Battlestar, everybody on one level or another is going through that kind of bonding process with someone, whether it's a friend or a, a co-worker or family. You know, and and that also brings up all your issues. You it challenges all your your stuff. And I think the original Battlestar, the the family unit, the dealing with my father, Lauren Green, having that relationship, having the relationship with my son, and then having the, the partnership with my good buddies. You know, Boomer and uh, Starbuck and uh, all the other characters that were in there. It's it's kind of the camaraderie, the bonding, the sharing, the uh, pulling together to survive and and to overcome uh, that whole experience for me is something I really resonate with. Any movie that has that kind of thing attached to it, you know, Braveheart had it, uh, you know, the Arthur had it. Uh, there's a number of movies that kind of have that feeling, energy, that uh, uh, me and a number of my friends really seem to, to get into. Listen, what, what do you think we do when we go to sci-fi conventions? A bunch of my buddies, we all bond together. And uh, have some good ales, and smoke a few cigars, laugh, and uh, talk about uh, the world, the universe. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Now, was there a huge shift for you, uh, having played uh, Apollo, uh, into your when when you came into your character of Tom Zarek in the, the new incarnation of Battlestar? How did that shift for you? I mean, is that same camaraderie there in the new Battlestar? Not really, film? because it, it's 30 years later, so. I only played Apollo for about a year, year and a half, uh, 30 years ago, and I've played thousands of other characters since then. So for me, coming in creating a character was really coming in creating a character like I do with every movie and every play and every project I've ever gotten. I come and I 
take the material and I engage my imagination with it. And just like I teach in my acting, acting is an art. It's not some silly little superficial make-believe pretend thing, which some people like to make it out to be. Uh, it's a profound art, and it, it's a spiritual journey. And I, I let that material and subtext and backstory of the material of the story, the mythology of it, speak to me. And it's an intuitive thing, and you tap in and you let it take you where it wants to take you. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't try to force it or push it. I let it, let it come from a deeper place inside of me, and uh, it just takes me on this journey. So. Uh, you know, I love the surprises. I never know exactly where I'm going, and and ultimately, it just becomes this amazing experience that every actor and artist lives for. Um, but I don't compare it. I don't sit there comparing myself to the other Apollo. I mean, I I wish I had some of the material this they, Jamie Bamber had, you know, 30 years ago, because they just didn't write deep enough, complex enough characters and rich enough. You know, they 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 had good characters and some good movies, but they just didn't go deep enough and they were really uh, played it safe because of the networks and studio agenda and the fear of alienating the uh, the audience. So they, they really always underestimated their audience. I just, uh, for me, um, I love complex, rich characters that have a lot of uh, conflict, subtext, because that's what each and every one of us deals with every day. We all deal with our dark side, our our issues, our flaws and imperfections, and sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, but that's the that's the drama of life. And I thought the new Battlestar went further into that those areas, so it allowed me to, to really explore who I am as a human being, because uh, we all bring ourselves to each character we play. It's not just, uh, you know, some little uh, superficial um, uh, creation. We we actually have an emotional attachment to the characters we play. We feel what that character feels, and we experience through those eyes of that character uh, life. We see a different slice of our perspective on life, and uh, I, I really gained a whole perspective on on life from from Tom Zarek, realizing that uh, you know good people are capable of doing bad things uh, under the right conditions. Everybody is capable of falling off the cliff. Everybody, like the proverbial uh, um, uh, story, uh, what is it, the prodigal son story, you know, we, we all are, are on a journey out there, and uh, sometimes we we don't realize how easy it is to get lost uh, and to lose um, a sense of our, our uh, moral compass. You know, uh, in trying to sometimes do good things, we end up doing bad things, and and we sometimes, uh, in this story especially, we saw how easy it was to violate the Constitution, to violate democracy, to basically violate human rights, mm-hmm. all in the quest to do the right thing and to help survive. And yet it really brings up a lot of powerful questions about, you know, what is democracy? And uh, does one person have the right to, to say, I know the way, and not listen to everybody else or have the... Uh, responsibility of building consensus. I mean, all these things got explored in the new show, you know, and uh, the original show was not as political, obviously. It dealt more, I think, with family and then dealt more with the, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie and the sense of, uh, uh, you know, relationships between the pilots and the relationship between, uh, you know, well, especially with me and my father 
and dealing with that relationship, which was for me, uh, my God, to have that kind of relationship. I, I didn't have it as a child, so getting Lauren Green to play my father was like like a, a dream come true for, for every young man, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, were you were you satisfied with Tom Zarek's fate? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Um, well, I mean, for me, I would have liked to have seen um, the, a deeper insight into Tom Zarek's uh, backstory and uh, a more context for why he was doing what he was doing. We never got too much insight into that, so people always surmise that he was just doing things for self-serving reasons. But if you really look at the show and step out of the box a little bit, it's pretty obvious that the guy was not making millions of dollars. He didn't live. He had two suits to his name. You know, he was fighting to make the government accountable, and he was fighting against a government that had the support of the people and yet broke all the rules and uh, basically subjugated his, his rightful place as vice president and also president. They continued to step him down because... They they thought they they didn't believe he should be president, and who I mean it, it wasn't the people making that decision. It was Rosalind and Adama. So basically, you know, I uh, I I think I would have liked to have seen a little more of that discussion uh, explored because uh, I think uh, for me, Tom Zarek had to play the chess game. He had to be sly, and he had no recourse because. Uh, Adama cut him off at every turn, right. and Rosalind cut him off at every turn. They they basically forced him, for me, in my mind's eye, to do the things that he had to do in order to have some kind of impact on the d- decisions. But every time he spoke up, everything that he was doing, you know, was either to survive or to make a difference and make that those governments wake up and realize that the decisions they needed to make were the tough love hard, cold decisions that very few leaders want to make because most people are not going to agree and they're not going to be popular decisions. Mm. Tom Zarek had paid the highest price, had spent 25 years in prison for his ideals, had saw all, most of his friends and family die. This was a man that was not afraid of seeing what needed to be done and making that decision, but nobody wanted to listen. And I hate to say it, but uh, Ron Moore told the writers to put the truth this is a real funny statement. This was told to me by a fellow of the writers on Battlestar. It was told to put the truth in Tom Zarek's mouth. What that meant was that when Tom Zarek spoke, he was speaking the truth whether you wanted to hear it or not. Right. Right. Cool. Well, awesome. Uh, on, a, on a lighter side... Um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm in, don't get me wrong, I'm enjoying, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm hearing so far, but... Um, Bring it back to classic Battlestar Galactica. Um, any funny stories you could tell while making the show? Was there anybody known to be a practical joker on the set? That sort of thing. Well, no, no, no stories that haven't been told about four thousand times. Right. Right. Uh, to tell you the truth, I mean, the the the, the really, I mean, the story that Ann Lockhart tells about, you know, um, you know, uh, not Baltar, but um, uh, countably. You know, and and she she has that story about a couple of lines. Uh, it was a funny line. I can't remember what the bit was, but that you know, every show has funny bits and funny moments that happen. Um, we we every single day 
when you're doing a show as dark as the new Battlestar, you're you're looking to for as much humor as possible. I mean, when when I they broke out of the prison, and the guy was in the prison shaking the bars, the whole prison came down. Oh wow! Uh, it's funny they actually have that in the comedy reel. You know, he's shaking the bars, and all of a sudden the bars open, and it was like we're free, we're free, and everybody's <laughs> running out of the prison. You know, the uh, it, it's. Um, what anything and everything can go wrong on a set, but usually it turns into uh, to funny moments and uh, and everybody has a good time. It just helps everybody to relax and uh, and to let go a little bit, and it makes for better acting. You, know, you don't you don't act well on a tense, rigid set. And Battlestar certainly had a lot of humor, a lot of fun fun people on it, and the cast and crew were very very fun, fun loving. I mean, if you see the comedy reels which I play at my conventions, they're really good. They're really funny. Look forward to seeing them, and you guys are probably putting in some, you know, you know, heavy hours, and so those things. Well, that- we work not really. I mean, to tell you the truth, because there's so many actors on the show, you come in and you wait, and a lot of times you're waiting for several hours to film a couple more scenes, and then you go home. And but there's, you know, you're you're not there all day long and all night, except once in a rare while. Right. Most people are coming in and out because, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're they're there's a lot of different actors doing scenes. Now. Uh- we talked about the ending of Tom Zarek. What about the end of the show? How did you feel about the way they wrapped up uh, Battlestar Galactica? Oh, I hate to even judge that because I think <laughs> everybody has strong feelings about that, and certainly I do. You know, listen, uh, Tom, I, I think Ron Moore has the right to write his own ending and, and do what he felt was right. I mean, I, I certainly, there's certain things I like, certain things that didn't make sense to me. You know, I, I mean, personally, I don't think I would have uh, sent the Cylons off the Cylon drones, the warriors, with all the technology and all the guns and weapons and ship to send them off to roam the universe, okay? I, I don't know if I would have done that, especially when you're throwing away all your technology. Right, right. You know, right. it's like saying, okay, we're going to throw everything away and we're, we're going to take these Cylons who have been programmed to kill, right. humans especially, um, who have been warring against us for a thousand years. We're going to just send them off with all their weapons, all their technology, and these are not the human Cylons, these are the drones. <laughs> right. These, these, these are the warriors. These are the, 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 you know, soldiers. I don't think I would have done that. And, pl- and the, only, the other thing that, that probably bothered me the most was they had everybody going off in different directions. Now, you're on a planet 10,000 years ago with creatures that will eat you. They've thrown away all their technology, and the whole family of man is separating, each to go find their homestead. Seems a little naive. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed to me that when you come down on a planet like that, that, first of all, you haven't explored yet. You don't even know what's there. You, you, you've had technology for years. You, you don't know how to survive without it. And you've got wild animals and creatures and indigenous tribes. Why would everybody be separating? I, I, I wanted to see everybody pull together and create a community. Right. Well, it's the whole survival I mean, I story, wanted to see right? Every, yeah, I wanted to see everybody together at the end, not <laughs> going their separate ways like... Huh, maybe I'll uh, I'll head off to uh to um you know, find my homestead on a hill in in uh in Ireland. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, uh it, it that didn't quite make sense to me, but uh I, I, I the thing that some bothered some people, I liked the thing with um uh Paulo and Starbuck. I thought that was a really interesting theme with her being an angel and not even knowing she was an angel. I thought that was a really great theme. I, I liked very much what they did with that. Um, you know, 
And again, I just would have, I would have preferred to see everybody uh, pull together at the end. That was my biggest thing. And then I just, for some reason, I understood him wanting to make this big gesture of throwing all this technology away to somehow justify that if all the technology they had was there, then where would the world be a thousand, ten thousand years later? It wouldn't be where we are. We would be much further ahead if they kept the technology, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I think they were trying to justify that, but I don't know if anybody would have thrown away all their technology. I don't know. If, uh, again, I think it was it was... It was challenging to kind of somehow try to make it all work, you know, but I think if you let go of the logic and you look at it metaphorically, he was trying to give you an emotion, a feeling, and he accomplished that. I think he was trying to create emotion and feeling, and and again, if you suspend logic, then you can enjoy it for what it is, and I was able to do that. But if I'm looking at it critically, you know, I could say these are the things that kind of um, didn't make sense to me, but again, I'm the first person to say there's many ways to do everything, yeah. many good ways, and one person loves it one way, another person hates it that way. Art is subjective, and so it's not about being right. It's about, uh, you know, Ron Moore earned the right to have his ending and to do it the way he wanted to do it, and I honor that. Uh, now, any chance we're going to see you in the plan? Uh, no, I'm not in that. You aren't in the plan. I so. wish I was, but it's more about the Cylon, the Cylon world. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for taking time out. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, no, really. I'm sorry that I have to go. I, I mean, I love getting into a discourse, and uh, I love doing these kinds of things. So we'll do it again. Yeah, maybe later on. Maybe we talk about the plan all after right. it comes out. So, All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks Have a good day. You too. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you.